This episode of History Goes Bump is brought to you by the executive producers and HelloFresh. For $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash bump80 and enter the code bump80, B-U-M-P-8-0. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 302nd episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast, ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I'm your host, Diane. On this episode, we're taking you to another haunted location in Alton, Illinois, that we had the pleasure of doing a paranormal investigation inside of, and that's the Mineral Springs Hotel, or as some people know it today, the Mineral Springs Mall. It's a fun building with a great history and lots of haunts going on here, so I'm looking forward to bringing that to you. Before I get into that, I want to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Mindy, James, Diana, Tiffany, Abby, Emily, Audrey, Sally, Mandy, and Regan. Welcome, everybody. And now, this moment naughty. The moment naughty was suggested by John Michaels. The story behind the Pexon Thang Columbarium is interesting and unique. This was a place where the living lived with the dead. The history goes back to 1959 when Singapore broke free from a century and a half of British colonial rule. They set up their own government, which found its first task to be finding a place to house the population. The Housing and Development Board, or HDB, formed to build housing, and since Singapore is only around 45 miles across, they decided to build vertically. And if you've seen pictures of Singapore today, you've seen that it is just tall building upon tall building. Singapore's tallest public housing buildings are 50 stories high, with about 10,000 public housing buildings on the island. Many of the people in Singapore were Chinese migrants who had set up these ornate cemeteries and had communities that believed in taking care of each other from cradle to grave. The need for land would change the way burials were done in Singapore, and it would also mean closing down and emptying the cemeteries already there. One government cemetery was established, and the process of disinterring and cremating bodies began. Pexon Thang Cemetery was one of these graveyards, but there was a problem. This wasn't just a cemetery, it was a self-sufficient little Cantonese community of around 2,000 residents. These people built little thatched roof homes among the graves because the active graveyard meant jobs. Tombstones needed to be carved, graves needed to be dug, and they needed to host mourners by selling food and goods. They installed a large Chinese-style gate at the entrance to the village and built stores and a clinic. The government couldn't leave it alone, though, because it took up so much space. Some family plots in the cemetery were as big as a three-bedroom HDB apartment. In 1978, the community received a letter informing them that the land was being reclaimed and public housing was going to be built on the cemetery. The living and the dead were given four years to vacate. Eventually, everybody was moved out, but the Pexon Thang Cemetery Association fought in court and got eight acres of their original 324 back. They built a few administrative buildings and the Pexon Thang Columbarium which was designed by Ta Kang Soon, a controversial architect known for designing brutalist superstructures. The outside looks like a typical condo, but inside there are nine levels that are a series of cascading stories and half-stories that resemble traditional Chinese tombs like cement hills. It is airy and sunny inside with urns lining the walls from floor to ceiling. The rituals around death did a 180-degree turn for Singaporeans, with 80% of them now getting cremated all because the living needed the dead to move out, even though they had once lived together in a symbiotic relationship. And that certainly is odd. To hear more on this, I encourage you to listen to episode 359 of 99% Invisible.
the covers up tight. That chill you feel isn't the air conditioning. <laughs> and now, this month in history. In the month of July, on the 24th in 1943, the British literally foiled the German radars. It was during World War II that the idea of using chaff was developed, and ironically, it was developed in the UK, Germany, Japan, and America, all independently of each other at the same time. Chaff is a countermeasure used to block radar signals, and this is done with thin pieces of aluminum or plastic. The radar signal would hit the aluminum strips, and this caused an echo that bounced the signal back. There was no way the opposing force could distinguish aircraft from the chaff. The Germans had hit the British home front hard with bombing raids, so the Americans and British decided to retaliate by hitting Hamburg. They called it Operation Gomorrah, and out of 791 aircraft, only 12 were lost. As they approached Hamburg, the planes dropped strips of aluminum foil and blocked the radars. Their air raids continued for eight days, and 9,000 tons of bombs were dropped, killing or injuring 80,000 people. So as you can see, the British literally foiled the German radars. Alton, Illinois sits along the Great Mississippi River, and this made it a good place for industry. Lots of business was done here. This was a good place to get away, and hotels popped up around town for visitors. One of the grandest places to stay was the Mineral Springs Hotel, with its marble staircases and two mineral pools. Eventually, it went the way of many grand hotels and became apartments and now shops. Its former glory is faded, but one truly expects to see a man or woman hanging around the former lobby in period clothing. And apparently, they sometimes do as visitors from the afterlife. This is one of the most haunted locations in Alton, and on this episode, we will share its stories as we venture into every nook and cranny, from the dugout spaces underneath the building to the empty pool room, and beyond. Join us on our investigation into the Mineral Springs Hotel. Mineral Springs and the spas built near many of them have a rich history. Today we enjoy them as a form of recreation, but centuries ago they were favored for what many believed were their healing properties. These mineral springs are naturally occurring and usually result from the water passing underground and collecting minerals, sulfur compounds, salts, and gases along the way. They are classified according to the minerals, from salt springs to soda springs to hot springs and etc. We've covered several locations that are reputed to be haunted that were built because of the nearby mineral springs, including the Baker Hotel in Mineral Springs, Texas, from episode 58, and the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, all the way back on episode 11, and I'm hoping to visit that location in 2020. Mineral spas popped up mainly around the Victorian era and were places mostly for the well-to-do. Belief in their restorative powers even led presidents like Franklin Roosevelt to use them in hopes of healing ailments like his paralysis. There are at least 12 notable mineral springs in America. The one in Alton no longer exists, but the building that housed it still does. In the late 1800s, there were two brothers, Herman and August Luer, who had moved from St. Louis to Alton and they opened a meatpacking plant. August had moved initially to Alton with his wife as he felt the air was cleaner and healthier. After Herman joined him, the two brothers thought that they should venture into the ice business. They hired some men to begin drilling in 1910 so that they could build a cold storage facility and ice maker where the Mineral Springs Hotel is today. There was just one problem, or maybe not, depending on how you view business opportunities. The workers found a natural mineral spring when they drilled. The time was ripe for such a discovery because mineral springs were being promoted everywhere as having healing powers. The brothers decided to build a health spa instead of the ice facility. And not only would they have pools, but they would bottle the water to send around America. 
When you look at the hotel from the outside, it looks like it only has two floors, but it actually has five more levels below the street. The hotel was built in layers, going up starting in 1913 with a water bottling plant on the lowest sub-basement. The hotel was completed in June of 1914 and designed in the Italian villa style. The roof was tile with stucco on the outer walls colored in beige. The interior featured those marble staircases along with terrazzo tile floors and art glass, along with two mineral pools. One of the pools was exclusive to men and smaller in size. The mineral water was pumped from the springs into the pools, and people immediately started declaring that the water was healing their ailments. About 100 bottles of the water were sold every day and declared a curative for things like colds, headaches, muscle problems, and even alcoholism. The pool hosted around 3,000 people every season. In the mid-1920s, an orchestra was hired and more rooms were added to the hotel. August Luer sold the hotel in 1926, and it would run successfully until the 1960s when the popularity of Mineral Springs dried up. The rooms were then rented out to any comer, many of whom were transients needed a place to live for a week or a month. Throughout the 1960s, the hotel really deteriorated, and in 1971, it was actually condemned. The roof was leaking and collapsing at this point. A man named Roger Schubert saw potential in the faltering building and bought it in 1978 and restored it so that it could be run as an antique mall with restaurants. Eventually, that shut down as well as business went away, but another man named Bob Love came in and did more renovations. The current owner, Dan Hornsey, is renovating the upstairs. The main area includes a banquet room that overlooks the Mississippi River, an antique mall, in-zone barbershop, the Curiosity Museum, which used to be the Historic Museum of Torture Devices, and the metaphysical store, It's Raining Zen. Rumors of the hotel and now mall being haunted go back years and years. Some of the stories are just fun lore, like the story of an artist named Charlie, who used to frequent the bar here often and ran up such a high tab that he was required to paint a mural in the building to cover his tab. Charlie began that mural but committed suicide before it was complete, and the legend claims that other artists had a hard time finishing the mural, which was untrue. There's actually no fact to back any of that up. The only thing that is true is that there is a mural here inside the building. Other ghost stories have historical facts to back them up. Let's walk around to the various areas of the building and see what we find. The most famous spirit here is the Jasmine Lady, and the story that's generally told about her says that she haunts the marble staircase and that she and her husband were staying at the hotel because he was working as a salesman. He came back to the room early one day and found her with another man. They argued and the fight went out into the hall and ended up above the staircase. Some of the stories have claimed that she accidentally fell down the stairs and others claim that she was pushed. It's a marble staircase, so of course she broke her neck on the way down. Some have her husband telling the front desk that the Jasmine lady had had an accident and the police are called and other versions have him going back to the room where he hanged himself. None of these are true, or at least there's no historical fact to them. A woman did fall down the stairs, but she only broke her hip. This was because she was fighting with her son, who turned out to be a man wanted for the murder of two people. When the cops arrived after the accident, they recognized her son and arrested him. There is activity on the stairs, and this comes in the form of the scent of jasmine, which is where the jasmine lady gets her name from. No one knows why the stairs are active, though, especially since the story of this woman falling down the stairs and dying doesn't seem to have any truth. A female voice has been caught on EVP saying it was a misunderstanding. For us, we caught no activity near the marble staircase, so I'm not sure if there really is anything going on there or not. We'd have to base it on other people's experiences. The upper floor appears to be under refurbishment. One of the upstairs rooms has the spirit of a gangster haunting it. Many gangsters stayed at the Mineral Springs and they would get the spa treatment. Got to imagine somebody like Al Capone going into a spa and getting himself a massage or such. The spirit presents as the scent of alcohol and cigar smoke. And some people believe a shadow figure they see is him. Our guide for the evening was Luke Nalaborski. I've mentioned Luke on the podcast several times because the two times I've done the Alton Ghost Tour, he was my guide, and he's always been at the Haunted America Conference. 
He's amazing. I love him. He's funny. And I trust him when he tells stories. Later on, I'm going to play a little soundbite of Luke telling us of an experience that he had in this area. And I wonder, was it possibly this gangster hanging out? Another area in this upstairs part is said to be haunted by a child and there's a teddy bear there. Luke said he never had any interactions with ghosts in there, but apparently other people have claim it's a child and that's why there is a teddy bear there. Occasionally people bring toys to see if they get played with. We then venture into Pearl's room. She was staying at the hotel because she had marital problems. She was really depressed and ended up killing herself by taking a bunch of pills. People leave flowers for her in the middle of this room and it's said that coins have been moved around. So if somebody leaves a dime, say, they'll see it moving around on the floor occasionally. They don't know how it gets moved. A lot of them blame Pearl for it. I've heard many stories of hauntings around dimes, that spirits will leave dimes. So there are claims that Pearl is leaving the dime herself, that nobody else is bringing it on the premises. We actually had a nickel sitting there on the floor when we got up there, and Luke put it up on a door jam and asked nobody to touch it so that we could see if it would end up back on the floor. He also said that Pearl must have been getting cheap because she'd switched from a dime to a nickel. As we progress through the evening, we will end up back in Pearl's room, and we didn't see the coin moving from anywhere. It stayed on that door jam all night long. The final room we went into upstairs was a room with a very dark energy, we were told. And the reason for this is that it is believed that a seance was conducted here and that it was not closed out properly. A woman on a previous tour said, oh, hell no, at the door and wouldn't go inside. She said she felt a very bad feeling in the room. People seem to get nauseous in this room as well. We didn't feel anything or catch anything in there ourselves. Our final stop on this tour that Luke took us through before we were set free to do our own investigating was the pool room. There's some ghost lore, and this involves a party being hosted near the pool. These parties were extravagant affairs with hors d'oeuvres being served by waiters and an orchestra playing. A couple was staying at the hotel, and the wife was taking too long to get ready, so her husband went down without her. As seems to always happen in these stories, she finds him in the arms of another woman. She yanks off her high-heeled shoe and starts hitting him with it. He falls into the swimming pool and drowns. The Lord claims a spirit is seen haunting the pool area, and he's also sometimes said to haunt where his former room had been, most often leaving a puddle of water outside the door. Now, none of that seems to have any truth to it. That's why I called it ghost lore. But someone did die in the pool. In 1918, a 21-year-old named Clarence was taking swimming lessons at the pool. While he waited for his instructor, he apparently decided to go ahead and jump in the pool. He did so head first into the shallow end and he knocked himself unconscious, and so he drowned. His body sunk to the bottom of the pool and wasn't found until a bunch of people got into the pool and someone felt his body bump up against them. His death certificate is actually showcased out in the lobby. Now, nobody has really claimed that Clarence actually haunts the pool, but I have heard people claim that when they're in the pool, they feel something bump up against them, even though there's nobody near them, and I have to wonder if it's something residual in regards to Clarence drowning. People do claim that a little girl is haunting the pool area. There's no stories of little girls drowning here. It's just Clarence. So perhaps she drowned in the pool and it just never made it into the news. Or maybe she died soon after visiting the hotel and she ended up returning back to it because she'd had such a a good time there. Luke put it this way. He said, if you were a child and you'd been at Disneyland and had a really great time and then on your way home you die you might want to return back to Disneyland because that was such a wonderful place to you and a fun memory. People have experienced this child spirit playing with marbles and she appears as a pink orb in pictures. The couple who own It's Raining Zen believe this spirit has an affinity for pink agate stones and told the Riverbender magazine, we started finding little pink agates everywhere. They were all over in the shop behind Dave's toolbox. They were everywhere. We had no idea where they came from or how they got there. Luke told us he'd had an experience two years ago. There was no one else with him in the pool area, and he was sitting quietly. He kept hearing the sound of hard-soled shoes walking around the pool. When he turned to look, he wouldn't see anything. Then he heard somebody walk in on the other side of the pool. I'll let him tell you what happens next. Now, at one point, I'm sitting there, and I could hear on the other side of the pool somebody walking. So I turned and looked, didn't see anything. And then I looked back ahead of me again. 
And standing about six feet in front of me was this three foot tall, like white, misty shape. So my first thought was, okay, there must be light coming from somewhere, and it's reflecting off of one of these chairs. So I reached down into my pack, and I pulled my flashlight out, turned my flashlight on, and straight at where that white mist was, and there was absolutely nothing there. I thought I was going to see a chair, but there was a chair to the left and a chair to the right, but absolutely nothing right in front of me. There was a former janitor that used to work here, and he was walking in the area where we came in before we came to the pool, and he could hear the sound of running water in here. Now again, there hasn't been water in the pool for a long time, but he thought maybe a pipe had busted and was leaking. So he came into the pool area, turned the light on, didn't hear the sound of running water anymore, but whenever he looked down, he could see several wet, barefoot footprints leading from the edge of the pool towards him. At that point, that was enough for him. He took off out, shut the door behind him, and then refused everything down here and by himself again. A lot of people experience things down here. A lot of people see people down here. During one of our tours, there's a gentleman who was here named Steve. Uh, I think Troy mentioned him, me and Mike mentioned him. Uh, Steve comes on the tours a lot. He was standing, I think, over this area here. And Troy was doing the tour. Now, we used to bring people down into the pool area a long time ago, and we no longer do it. Troy was standing in the pool, everybody else was standing up here, right? And as Troy was telling the story, he does did it with the lights out, and then he turned his light on for a second to point something out. When he turned his light on, standing next to this pillar right here, Steve saw a guy wearing a double-breasted grace suit. He's just leaning against the cowl with his arms folded, staring at the group. Now when Steve saw him, Steve thought, okay, it must have been somebody on the tour who just wandered around that side. So, the whole time the light is on, Steve is staring at that cowl. And then Choi turned the light back out. Whenever Choi started finishing up the stories, he turned the light back on. At this point, Steve was still looking at that cowl, but whenever the light came on, that man was gone. Steve stood by the door. He watched every single person leave this room, and not a single person was dressed like what this guy was dressed as. I don't know if you guys had the opportunity to talk to Dave Goodwin tonight. He's got a better table set up. He wrote the book, uh, Ghost of Jefferson's Barracks. He was in here one time during a tour, and as everybody was leaving, he heard somebody walking through this room over here. So he thought that somebody must have been wandering off from the room. So he started following this person. He goes through this door, he goes on the other side of this wall, turns the back, goes on the other side of this wall, and then straight through here, there's an opening that goes to the right, and then there's also like, the hallway goes a lot further down. He followed this person all the way back. He kept hearing footsteps ahead of him, but he could never catch him. Finally, he ran into a dead end. There was nowhere for this person to go away. It just simply disappeared. Whenever he, uh, Dave came running back out of that area, he was sweating profusely. His pale face he was scared to death. The thing about Dave is he was a military policeman. He did several stints in Afghanistan. This guy is very tough. Uh, not much rattles him, but that night he was scared to death. Troy Taylor talks in his book Haunted Alton about an experience that was shared with him that happened in the pool area. A man was in the basement when he heard the sound of water coming from behind the locked door of the pool room. This was in 2002. He thought a water pipe had broken and he was really worried they had a major leak. He unlocked the door, rushed inside, flipped on the lights, and saw that the floor was completely dry. The sound had stopped too. He started to leave the room when he noticed a set of wet footprints. They led from the side of the pool to a few feet away and then disappeared. There's no water in the pool. There was no one else in the room. Where had these come from? He didn't care. He bolted out of there and would not go into that room again for the entire time he was employed there. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. With our busy schedules, two jobs, the podcast, and burying people, dinner can be a real challenge. Especially with Mort trying to help in the kitchen. What do you mean knives are only for using on vegetables? HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. You get easy seasonal recipes, pre-measured ingredients, and it's delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook and enjoy. Most importantly, you don't have to come up with a meal idea and then search for a great recipe. The recipes are step-by-step, so even Mort can't ruin dinner. Oops. And it only takes about 30 minutes from prep to cooked and on the table. And Kelly, there's something for everyone with those who are vegetarian or maybe they're watching their waistline. Mort is on a die. Et. 
And HelloFresh is flexible. It's really easy to change things up. Maybe you want to try vegetarian for a week or so, or you need to skip a week when you go on vacation. Kelly, we really enjoyed the meals that we tried. What was your favorite? Well, honestly, they were all so good. Very flavorful, huge portions, but I really enjoyed the chicken sausage and spinach ricotta ravioli. It was so good. Well, I actually liked beef bulgogi bowls the best, carrots, cucumbers, sriracha crema, and jasmine rice. It was just delicious. If you want to try HelloFresh and get $80 off your first month, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash bump 80 and enter code bump 80. That's B-U-M-P 80. You get $20 off your first four boxes. Again, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash bump 80 and enter code bump 80. Um, Mort, you can't slice mushrooms with a shovel. Kelly, this is starting to become a regular thing here at History Goes Bump. You're joining us once again. I'm here. The reason why I'm having you join me is because we did another investigation at a location in Alton. You were here at the Mineral Springs Hotel. What was your first impression about it, other than the fact that we were having a hard time figuring out where was the front door and how to get in there? (laughs) Well, once we finally got inside, it just was really interesting. Of course, it was all very dark and mysterious looking. They had all kinds of neat artifacts around the room. And then they proceeded to have us sign waivers and then go to a Anytime there's area. a waiver, it's like, what? Yeah, well. This is a really big building. So, yeah, I can understand. And like you said, there weren't any lights on, really. It was very, very dim and dark. So you didn't really get a full feel for what it was like other than that back room that we first started off in where Luke was sharing the history and everything. So I'd love for you to see it in the light of day. And plus, it'd be kind of cool to see it when all the shops are open. Yes, I definitely want to go back and I really want to visit the Curiosity Museum. So the first place that we went in to investigate was that area that was off to the side of the pool. Oh, yes, that's where William resides. And we were hanging out back there with Jennifer Jones of the Dead History and her family. And we were seeing if we could catch any EVP. They were so nice. I really enjoyed hanging out with them. And yes, it was very dark, very musty and a little bit creepy. I mean, the floor was all dirt and there was just all kinds of stuff laying around. So it wasn't a very inviting space. No. And we kept hearing this knocking noise, which it seemed that it happened often enough that it was something mechanical around us. But it was kind of weird. The first couple times you hear this like knock and it was like, what was that? Jennifer's husband had a recorder and he was recording and then he would play back to see if we caught anything so we did that a couple of times and it sounded kind of scratchy like there was something that might have been said but we couldn't make it out and I also had my recorder going and I didn't catch anything during that so unless an EVP jumped onto his and not mine I'm not sure how all that works obviously in the spirit world but we decided we weren't really getting much going on there So we decided to start walking out. And that's where you caught those weird light anomalies on your camera phone. Yes. In that separate offshoot room, I set up every shot and take successive pictures without moving. And I didn't even really notice them at first. But then when I was going back over my photos later, I did see some very strange anomalies on there. I was surprised. Yeah, we posted them up on Instagram and it looks like, here's how I would describe it. It almost looked like a little light was coming out of the wall and that it got bigger as it was coming out in the second picture. So it's like the first picture, it's smaller. Second picture, it looks a little bit bigger and longer. Yeah, it's almost like it's traveling, but I'm really not sure. I mean, there there weren't any insects down there. There was certainly some dust, but this doesn't look like dust. No, it wasn't an orb and it was very small. And I would think if it was a bug, it wouldn't have shown up as a white streak in both pictures. And it again, it looks like a line that it starts off as a, a dot and then gets longer. It, to me, it didn't look bug-like. Right. And it wasn't a streak. It was solid, solid colored, solid white from the beginning to the end of the longer portion. And then we get towards the end of this. And as I've said, we were playing around with the Ghost Radar app. 
And this is where we first get an interaction that makes us start thinking that somehow Kelly has this horse attached to her. But at the time, we don't think that. We're just like, oh, the word horse comes up. Right. I mean, back in the day, we just figured, okay, somebody was here riding in on their horse. They had a horse. I don't know. I I wasn't really giving much thought to it at all, to be honest. Horse. It just said horse. Horse. Horse? What is it about a horse? Did you used to ride a horse? So once you get out of this back room, you're back into where the pool area is. And we stood in there for a little bit by ourselves, kind of in the dark. And I got a little bit freaked out because you were taking pictures. And I didn't know that anybody was in the pool room because it was really, really quiet in there. And as you took a picture, I saw a person down in the pool and I was like, whoa. And then I realized it was just a guy sitting down there. Right. He was so quiet. I had no clue he was there either. (laughs) When you first said that to me, I kind of like froze for a minute, like, are you sure it's a person? (laughs) It would have been really cool if it hadn't been somebody who was with us. (laughs) Right. So you go through this door to get out of the pool room. And then there's this, I don't know, it wasn't a really big room off to the side. You kind of most people would just walk through it and then head up the stairs to go to other parts of the hotel or the shopping mall area. We decided to hang out in there. I'm not exactly sure why we decided to do it. I think it was just because it was a quiet corner where nobody no, was. I was actually being drawn. I, I don't know by what or by whom, but when we were first being taken into the pool area, I kept feeling like I wanted to go down into the end of that long room. Oh, I, that's I, interesting. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So I was already like kind of thinking about it as we passed it. And then that was one of the first places that I wanted to go after we went into the area where William was. One of the first ghost investigation gadgets that we've ever purchased was this temperature gauge, which you actually hadn't really bought it for the purpose of using it for (laughs) paranormal (laughs) investigations. No. Well, I mean, I kind of did. It's not an official candy temperature gauge or anything like that, but I figured because I don't make candy stuff very often. And I make this stuff called Christmas crack, (laughs) where it has kind of like this heated up toffee caramel, you have to get it to the right temperature. And so I figure if I'm stirring it fast enough, and then just keep taking readings, I'll get an approximate temperature. But when I was looking to purchase one, I thought, well, I'll just get a regular temp gun, because I've used them in the past for reptile stuff. And then of course, I thought, well, I can use them for the candy. And then I can use them for ghost hunting, too. And this is kind of like a gun because you just pull on the trigger and you point it at a certain place. And is it a blue light that shows up? It's a laser light. And it'll just shoot off into whatever direction you're putting it and it'll pop up with whatever the temperature is where you're pointing the gun at. Right, exactly. So you think, oh, well, we're going to have a little bit of fun with this, see if we can figure out what's the temperature in here. And so we fire it off. And what I'm going to do is go ahead and play the actual audio because I was recording everything we were doing. And then we'll talk a little bit after you listen to that. Degree. Hmm. You know, um, did I give you your temperature thing? I mean, yeah. And it did just Degree start, is. It did just start feeling colder. Is that right as here. in temperature? You know, if you get c- closer to us, it would feel colder for sure. 69. 69 degrees. Can you make that go lower? That did go lower. Can you make it go lower by a whole degree? Can you take it down to 60? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Bend. How about 67? Can you take it down to 67? No, not please. up. Can you please go down to 67? Oh, it's still going back up. You got to make it go colder. Maybe if you got closer to it. You don't have to make it go colder if you don't. <laughs> you can make the number six, seven. 70. That's making it warmer. There we go, what, 66. Thank you. Can you pop that 66 back on there again, or 67? I know it might take a lot of energy. Yeah. That's the best way for us to tell that you're right here with us. Keep going down, a few more degrees. Please. 
There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, it was really incredible. I mean, if anything, I would have expected the temperature to go up because the laser was in pretty close proximity to where we were standing. I was just keeping it at one spot on the ground and our body temperatures warmed the space up and everything. We kept feeling the temperature drop a little bit and then the gun was actually registering stuff as we were asking it to. I just thought that was amazing because we weren't asking it to do anything extreme like, hey, can you give us a 40 degree rating? We were doing things within reason. But the way I look at it is to get a three or four degree change in temperature in a five minute space, perhaps. I think it was about that much. That seems a little weird to me. And we weren't near an air shaft or anything like that. No, exactly. It was super stuffy down there. But when they actually dropped the temperature, literally three degrees, that time frame was actually really short. Initially, if I'm remembering correctly, we asked them to drop it a little bit and then it would drop, but then it would go back up to, I believe it was like 70 degrees. There was that one portion of time where we were saying, you know, I know it's not easy. I know it's difficult, but if you could please, please, please drop it a few degrees. I think it was me and I'd said something like, can you drop it down to 66? Because that was the lowest that, you know, would be lower than the lowest we'd gotten. Right. And then within just a few seconds, it actually did it. Yeah. And to me, it was just weird that it would be able to do it from 69 to 66. It it makes you wonder what in the world is controlling that, that it could do it to that kind of exact what we were asking. Right. And it didn't stay that temperature. It just it dropped it down momentarily, just kind of enough for us to recognize it and see it. And then it went back up to where it was before. Here's what I envision happening because I have that kind of brain. And this is how I would be if I was a spirit. I would kind of stick my finger like right where the laser beam was. So it'd be like there and that pops it down a couple degrees because my cold fingers sticking in the the light of the laser. (laughs) Yeah, you're not going to indulge anybody too much. (laughs) (laughs) So we decided, okay, well, we were having fun down there. Let's go check out some other parts of the building. And as we were passing through one of the hallways, Luke, who was leading everything, mentioned to us that there weren't very many people down in the ballroom, which is an area that overlooks the Mississippi, has some tables and chairs in there. And he said, there's really nobody down there because he didn't know there were some people sitting in the bathroom area because they were being so quiet. So we thought, well, let's go ahead and go over there and see if we catch anything. We went down into the bathroom and we were kind of looking around in there, seeing if we could catch anything. Nothing was going on there. There were a couple girls there that were doing some kind of investigation. So we decided to walk back to this back area that had not we hadn't been taken there in the initial tour. So somehow we ended up walking back there. Again, I don't know how we ended up in some of the spots that we did because most people would want to rush down. And as a matter of fact, there was a paranormal group there that didn't even stick around to listen to the history of the building because they'd already done it a few times. They made a beeline for the sub-basement, which is you know, where they thought all this haunting stuff was going on. And we didn't even go down there again after we went initially with the first tour. No, we never even made it there. That place was kind of like a maze. There were different stairways that led to different areas. And I mean, just for the period of time, we were there for a long time. But just for that period of time, I would not have been able to figure out. I mean, that one time we wanted to get to the kitchen because the thing had said kitchen. I could not figure out where the heck to go to get to that? No, I mean, we went down this stairwell over here, it seemed like for forever. And then we were going up over here. And then there were these stairs here. It was very confusing since we were just guiding ourselves. But we went up to this front area that we think is probably what was the original lobby to the hotel, because the way I've heard it described is that it has a fountain in it. And this was the only area that had a fountain that was going. So when we're playing audio from being in that area, you are going to hear water running in the background. Right. The way that it was set up and the way that the door was leading to the outside in that room, it definitely seemed like it was the the lobby area. And we were in the lobby twice during the evening. And to me, this seems to be the place where we got the most significant interaction. We were getting a lot of good hits on the EMF. Most of the time, it wasn't going all the way to setting the lights off. It was directly interacting with us when we'd ask questions. And when it would answer, it was going up probably about, I don't know, I'd say three quarters of the way, halfway to three quarters of the way, depending upon the situation. So we were playing in there for a little bit and there wasn't a whole lot of activity other than the EMF giving us a few reactions and these other girls had come walking in. So it kind of disrupts what you're doing, but we ended up kind of tagging along with them. And so we started to leave this lobby area and we're walking back into where the ballroom is. And then all of a sudden the ghost radar says, Stay. It wants us to stay. We're working. 
we were going to go upstairs. Your thing is lighting up, and it wasn't lighting up before. And it's completely paved. Okay. So we, we'll stay down here if you want us to. We have this... We have this thing, if you touch it or wave your hand over it, you'll light it right up and we'll know you're here. We have all kinds of devices making it really easy for you to talk. You can talk to any of them. You can walk by them. <laughs> What's on the menu today? Christopher. The name that I kept trying to get us to stop on was a C. That's Are true. You Christopher? Because we were going between C and D, we couldn't decide which one it was. Yeah, it kept, to go with. kept putting in. Christopher, were you a, a servant here? Did you work in the kitchen? Effie. And Effie. Was Effie a work, work with you too? That's a really specific name. And this will be the first time it wants us to stick around. Remember, Kelly, the second time we were in the lobby and we were getting ready to go, we said, unless you would like us to stay. And it indicated on the EMF that it wanted us to stay. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it was it was such a neat experience. As you heard on that little soundbite that I played for you, we all decided to go ahead and pop a squat right there and see what happened. As you heard there, the names Christopher and Effie came up. And we thought that while we were doing this, that we might have caught an EVP. One of the girls asks, how many are here? I think I hear an answer really low. And so what I'm going to do is play the original EVP at the original volume. And then right after it, you're going to hear it amplified a ton. I mean, I had to take it as far up as I could. And then you're going to possibly hear what I do is this EVP. How many are here? How many are here? What was really cool about this, Kelly, is when I looked at the audio signature in my editing software, when you look at initially when she says, how many of you here, you see her sound waves going up and down, and then it's just a flat line after that. So to the naked ear, you don't really hear anything, and you don't see anything. So as far as I could tell, there was nothing there. But I'm thinking in my brain, why don't I increase that volume as much as I can just to see if something said something since it was a question that was asked. And I almost fell out of my chair when I increased it to where I played for everybody that second part. And I went, whoa, there is something there. How many are here? How many are here? What did you think you heard? Well, immediately I heard a voice say five. Now I know what you think you heard after that. I'm not totally sold that it says the second portion, but I definitely think something is being said. Yeah, to me, the answer almost didn't make sense. The five does. And that's why I'm thinking we really do have an intelligent spirit communicating with us because to ask how many are here and to get a number tells me that. But to me, it sounded like it was saying 5 million. And then there's something after that I can't understand. Yes, I definitely heard the five. As far as the million, I heard it after you told me that's what you thought. But I still can't 100% hear it in my head and say, oh, yes, for sure. That's what it is. And I definitely can't make out what's after the million. So maybe some of you with really good ears, you can amplify that and see what you think. My question, Kelly, is if that really is whatever the spirit's saying, five million, what does that mean? I don't know. I mean, overall history for the area, I, I just don't know. It, it <laughs> It's a little extreme. To me, it definitely is. I'm just thinking you couldn't possibly have 5 million spirits in a spot. I, I just, I, I couldn't even fathom that. So I don't know if it was just joking, if I'm just hearing things, or is this some kind of portal? 
Yeah, I have no idea. I'd love to hear what other listeners get from that. So that was interesting. Then Luke comes along and he sees all of us girls sitting there and he seems a bit frazzled. So he sits down with us and he's going to tell us a story about what just happened to him. When things happen to me, I usually don't try to talk about them because I don't want you guys to think that we make stuff up, you know, or that all the tour guys, you know, trying to make us believe things are happening. But I just got the crap scared on me upstairs. <laughs> so I was walking up just to see if anybody was up on the second floor in the unfinished area. So when I came up the stairs, I turned right to go check the gangster room and nobody was in there. So then I turned to start heading down the hall towards Pearl's room. And when you're walking Shadows. 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 Okay, that's perfect. When you're walking down the hall, you can see a window. If you look straight down that hall, there's a window with yellow light and everything. And as I'm walking, I saw a shadow lean over and block the window and then lean back. So my first thought was, okay, it's somebody in Pearl's room. And they were just, they heard my footsteps and they were leaning to see who was coming. But when I got to Pearl's room, there was nobody in there. And where they would have leaned would have been right in her doorway. Back. So then I came out of her room and I went down towards the dark room, got about halfway down the hall. I mean, hair was standing up, got real cold, and uh, got to the gangster room. I just turned my light on real quick, looked in there, nobody was in there, so I like, turned around with a lot of purpose <laughs> and started coming back. But as soon as I passed Pearl's room, hair again, you know, and got real cold, and, and it followed me all the way down the stairs and all the way to about the top of the banquet hall here. Yeah. Hmm. And then I came down and I was, wasn't feeling it anymore, but I walked back there and then as soon as I got back where the bathroom is, there's a group in there. And I guess as soon as I walked in there, they started getting a whole bunch of things happening on their device. So I don't know if it Probably followed me or mm-hmm. what, but again, I mean, I don't ever try to point out things just yeah. because I don't want you guys thinking that we're misleading you or anything, but that's probably, it was one of the creepiest feelings I've had here. So it's cool that it's cool that shadow popped up. Yeah, mm-hmm. telling that story. Shadow. Yeah. 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 Okay. Person's knocking on the door to come and in then, the room. Right. She comes back to tell us, and then I walk down there, and then my thing says, "Sleep." Oh. Right when we get in front of the door, so you guys are keeping like away. we're not supposed yes. to go in the door. Like, That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I like that. He seemed more than downright frazzled. He seemed scared. <laughs> and Kelly, when you listen to that, didn't his voice sound a little shaky to you? Yes, it definitely was. This is a guy who not only leads the Alton Ghost Tours and has been in these haunted locations, I don't even know how many times he's had a lot of experiences, for him to be shaken by something, that's pretty intense. I mean, he seems like a pretty down-to-earth guy. He likes to joke around and entertain, but he, he definitely had something that affected him. Now, Kelly, most normal people would hear Luke tell this story and think, there's no way in hell I'm going anywhere near where he just had this experience. Is that the way you and I handled this? No, we were saying, take us with you. Show us. (laughs) So he takes us upstairs and shows us where the experience happened for him. And then he even goes over to the area where he saw this shadow figure and shows us what it looked like to him. I would have been freaked as hell if that had happened to me, too. Yeah, I don't know if I could have had the wherewithal to go down there and be by myself down that hallway and show others. Oh, yeah, this is what it looked like. But he probably wouldn't be, you know, a big, tough man in front of all the girls. (laughs) I'm going to play this whole soundbite next, and it's going to include Luke showing us how the shadow figure peeped out at him in front of the window. But I want you to hear what happened right before that. As I'm coming up to the top of the stairs, the ghost radar goes off again, and it says Edward. And do you remember what the girls said? Yeah, with the other group of girls, they had been getting Eddie. And then a little bit later, when we're sitting in this other room, we're going to hear on the ghost radar, Edward. And then you even mentioned that you were in the process of saying Edward when it pops up on the ghost radar. Yes, it was literally coming out of my mouth. And it was like the ghost radar and myself said it simultaneously. Yeah, so that was really weird. I'm going to go ahead and play that sound for you right now. Edward. 
shadow. So you got Edward. So. Edward. I got Eddie up here earlier. Are you kidding? Eddie. No, we got Eddie earlier. Yeah, I just got Edward. So anyway, so I was coming from the gangster room down here, and then if you see the window, mm -hmm. whatever it was kind of leaned out. So let me, I'm going to go to this. Excuse me. Okay. You guys see it. Okay. This is fun. This one isn't. Oh, he's going to show the shot. Kind of like this. Oh. oh. Okay. I would be like, nope. That would be nice. But anyway, so that's why I thought, you know, I mean, I'm Japan. walking down the hall and making noises. Chopin? <laughs> what did it say? Japan. 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 We, got, we got Russia earlier, and we got European earlier. Well, see, that could, with your um, your C and captain mm -hmm. and stuff, that could yeah, all blend together. Yes. It's it's a said Russian citizen. Yes, it is. Oh, did you guys want to yeah. do Pearl's room? You want to do the kids' room? Maybe the kids' room. It's an I think that's really cool that they got Eddie and we got Edward. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Are you here with us now? Was that you? Was that the shadow that Luke saw? Can I feel you... like a lot of people are, are talking about Edward, and it isn't necessarily Edward that's uh -huh. telling us Edward. Yeah. Is there something about an Edward? Army. Army. Okay. Was Edward in the army? You manifested earlier. Can you do it again? Please. You in the military? So you and I returned to the lobby. We sat up in Pearl's room for a while and we got kind of bored with that. So we're like, hey, let's go down and see. Since we were getting so much activity with the EMF detector, we'll go to the lobby and see what happens. So we go down there and we started communicating with something that moved the EMF needle to respond to us. We get our next interaction in regards to this horse that we think might be connected to you in some way. Uh, I am going to say again, there is a fountain in the background, so you are going to hear that noise. And we do apologize if this makes you suddenly need to run to the bathroom. I may have to go right now. <laughs> are you the one that we were speaking about with the alphabet? Pony. Pony, we got horse earlier. Yeah. Did you have a horse? Wait a minute. Kelly recently Ants. lost a horse. And we have been having problems with ants <laughs> at our house, big time. My horse just passed away. Do you know Mahogany? That was her pony. It just popped up again. It's still going. Is this Mahogany with us? Is Mahogany here? Is that you, Mahogany? Mm -hmm. Stop. <laughs> I don't know, maybe uh, horse's energy can be with us. If you want to say hi to, to Kelly Mahogany, come really close to the EMF and see if it'll light up for you. You can just nuzzle it with your nose. What was your nickname? What did Kelly used to call you? Can you say what Kelly used to call you? It was a real cute name. I don't know, in the spirit world, maybe they can think things yeah. and it'll come up. Mm -hmm. Is some, yep, you used to ride the trails, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so once we hear the ghost radar say pony, and then in a little bit it said trail, Diane actually asked me if it could be my horse that had just passed. So then, of course, I start getting a little emotional in terms of, you know, I don't know if I want to ask it and I start tearing up and everything. But, you know, I had just lost my horse a couple of weeks before and it was a, a big emotional thing. I had had him for 30 years. But then I pull it together and I start asking the questions and it does indeed confirm that there's a horse around me. 
Yeah, it just seemed so weird to me that we'd gotten horse. So then when pony popped up on the ghost radar, I'm like, what are the chances that you're going to get horse and pony in the same evening, in the same location? It just struck me as too much of a coincidence, especially since I don't believe in coincidences. And since Mahogany had just died a couple weeks before this, I was like, you know, I wonder. And then when trail came up and you said that that's what you guys would do all the time is do this trail riding, it was like, oh boy. Right. Well, he was retired. I used to show him years prior. And then he was older. And so we we primarily did ride trail. That was what consisted of our time together after we you know retired from showing and training for that. And as you guys heard in the McPike Mansion episode that we did right before this one, number 301, we got some more answers in regards to this. And the saga comes to completion on our bonus episode that we made for executive producers at the $5 and above level with our stop in Chattanooga. So it was just this thing that seemed to be connected to us through the whole weekend. And I liked your thoughts on why you thought that happened. Right. Well, initially, of course, we made the assumption that it was mahogany because Anything else just hadn't even occurred to me. So, Kelly, what did you think about getting to investigate these two locations, the McPike Mansion and Mineral Springs Hotel, in the same weekend? I mean, I know we practically killed ourselves doing this 10 to 2 o'clock in the morning thing, but what were your thoughts about all that? I would do it again in a heartbeat. (laughs) It was so amazing. We had so many positive and fantastic experiences that... You know, I I still say I'm an open-minded skeptic because when I come across something, when I'm experiencing something, hearing something with the dowsing rods or what have you, the EMF, I still take pause and really think about what other things could be possibly causing this. But with the experience, especially across the three locations and the connection with the horse and having it not be anything that even in the slightest part of my brain come to be connected that I never would have imagined. It just kind of was telling me, don't be quite so skeptical. I think you and I are going to remain the same where we're always going to question things that happen. We're never just going to believe it full bore. But today, you know, we were even having a discussion with my mom and she was like, so do you believe in ghosts now? And I know my answer to people has always been when they ask me that question, I don't know what this is. So I believe that there is something unexplained happening around me that seems to have some kind of supernatural, something I don't understand to it. And that to me has moved way away from skeptical. So I'm definitely consider myself a believer more than a skeptic now. But I think anytime we go into any of these situations, I'm always going to question, I'm always going to try to debunk things before I immediately say, whoa, that was something supernatural or paranormal. Absolutely. I'm the same way. I mean, that's why when we were at McPike, I kept holding everything, you know, close to the chest in terms of I would see and experience something, but I wasn't saying anything to anyone. I was waiting to see what happened with everybody else because I didn't want to sway their experience in any way, one direction or the other. Hey, Kelly, I want to thank you for joining me again on an episode. It's been a ton of fun. It's been so much fun. Thank you for having me. And hey, guys, I appreciate your positive feedback. And I'll probably pop up now and again and and join Diane. But it's been a lot of fun. So thank you. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to happen. I foresee that a lot in the future, especially since we're trying to do more and more investigations in the future. So we can bring more of this. I don't know. I just like it when we can actually describe a place because we've been there and then tell people about our experiences because we're obviously not doing this for a TV show where we got to make sure that we're entertaining the people with crazy stuff. We're just doing it because we like doing it and this stuff happens and we're sharing it with you guys. It's all genuine and authentic. Absolutely. Just sharing our experiences. So, hey guys, it's been great chatting with you and keep it spooky. So we definitely had some interesting stuff going on at the Mineral Springs Hotel I had a great time there. This one is going to remain on my top 10 most haunted for sure. And I loved bringing these back-to-back episodes to you of these locations in Alton, Illinois. The Haunted America Conference is held there every year. So maybe consider joining us in one of these future years and doing one of these ghost hunts with us or doing the ghost tour of Alton. It's all fabulous. The conference is a lot of fun. These places seem pretty active, making the claim that Alton is one of the most haunted small towns in America ring true. Or does it? 
Is the Mineral Springs Hotel haunted? That is for you to decide. Want to encourage you guys to check out the website at historyghostbump.com. Make sure you're checking out the events page. I keep all the events up there for places that we're going to be visiting. I have a lot of stuff that's going to be coming up here soon. We'll be doing an overnight at the Velisca Axe Murder House. I still have a couple of spots left open for that. I'll be doing a live show in West Virginia in Point Pleasant, the home of Mothman. So you know we're going to check out the museum there. We're going to stay in the Haunted Low Hotel. We'd love to have you join us. We'll be doing the show with the Brohio Podcast and Hillbilly Horror Stories. And that's going to be in October. Also in October, I have been asked to speak at a women's podcasting conference. So I'm going to be in Atlanta the second weekend in October. And I'm going to try to set up a meetup there as well. And then we are always adding other things. So keep your eyes open. I have some other irons in the fire for some ghost hunting, especially here in Florida. And if you want to send me some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. I got an email from Holly. She said, I just got to listen to the 300th episode. Admittedly, I've not heard every episode yet, but this one was my favorite so far. I heard my letter at the end. That was a fun surprise. Message received because I asked about the ghost that she said she saw in St. Augustine. And here it is. I hesitate to admit that we were on a ghost tour, but yes, we were. This was several years ago, and it was a late night tour in fully dark. As the tour guide was wrapping up, we were standing in the open space near the old city gate, hearing the history of the gate. We had a great guide, but one who did not at all appreciate side chatter. As she was speaking, I saw a little girl playing by the gate, clear as day. She was barefoot and in a white nightgown. I thought the nightgown looked old. However, with the American doll craze, I knew several little girls that had similar nightgowns. I watched her for a minute and realized she did not seem to be with anyone. My alarm bells went off and I started to walk over to talk to her. The tour guide said something to the effect of, can we please all stay together? I apologized, then told her there was a little girl wandering around alone. I turned back and she was gone. No one else saw her. I've searched several times for stories of a girl ghost near the gate in St. Augustine. While there's no shortage of ghosts, I cannot find a story for her. I was in my early 20s at the time, so this is not the story of a little kid. I'm confident in what I saw. Also, my mom who was there said I was so genuinely worried for this little girl. She knows I saw something. Side note, my mom's sister who passed away several years ago used to see stuff all the time. When my mom told me that I may be like her, I went home and removed every ghost book from my house and typically avoid places where I feel any sense of strangeness. That being said, I just can't resist a good ghost tour for all reasons I mentioned in my email. Well, I responded back to Holly to let her know that indeed there is a story about a little girl haunting that gate. We talked about it on our episode Outside the Gate, which was episode 15. And it's a little girl named Elizabeth who had passed away from yellow fever. At least that's what they think. To have Holly actually have this sighting makes that story that I've heard before seem pretty real. Also want to let you guys know that the Flash Fiction Contest that we hold every anniversary show, that will be October 1st. I'm getting ready to set that up and get the rules out to you. So if you are interested, just remember it's got to be a thousand words and I'll get the details out to you soon. I want to thank you guys for joining me on this episode. I've been your host, Diane. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by HelloFresh and our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. I want to first thank Adam Vanderyacht for your very generous donation. I don't know what else we can add to your glorious mausoleum, but Mort and I will come up with something. Maybe we'll add an extra wing and a swimming pool. Maybe a mineral springs swimming pool. And we want to welcome into the graveyard, Maria Domingo. You're going to be getting a chest tomb. All right, Mort, it's time for some more of your eulogies. Eulogies by Mort. Jason Malgana was a producer for a year. I wonder if he'll lend me a haunted mirror. He was from a city named for a goddess of Rome. Now this here necropolis is his home. Ken Milligan was a fan of a horror story. I wonder if he liked them gory. His high school was home of the Bulldogs. I think I'll make his coffin from Lincoln Logs. Kim Butler D. Rose C. has supported HGB for over a year. 
That makes her generous and someone to revere. It always makes me weepy to meet someone who likes the creepy. Nicole Mercado Champagne had lived in Warwick. To her memorial, I'll add a lane of brick. Her last name is a bubbly drink. I'll toast her life with some, I think. Kathy Boulder had been from the city of Sunnyvale. Now she resides on the other side of the Vale. She had supported HGB for nearly two years, bringing listeners stories to feed their fears. Rebecca Davis Nord was from the city of Columbia. I've buried a lot of people, Mama Mia. My, my, now here I go again. Leading Rebecca into the afterlife zen. This next eulogy is for Melissa Smith Deal. I'll make sure her body, grave robbers won't steal. She comes from the state of the evergreen. Now she's in the place where life and death convene. Fan of the show? Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher or your favourite podcast catcher. Kelly, I want to join you for thanking me on an episode again. A lot of fun having you here. Oh, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Shit, I'm tired. You should too. leave that in. <laughs> Oops. <laughs>